for a fright. Can you handle a scare? This is your home for all things horror. <laughs> Welcome to the Deadline Podcast with your host, Jay. Welcome back. I hope everyone had a awesome weekend. <clears throat> All month long, we are covering nothing but Christmas massacres. And hey, it's that time of season, I guess. Now, keep in mind, a lot of these I already covered. I covered last year around Christmas, and at that time, I was still somewhat new. <clears throat> I think I'd started the podcast like a couple or a couple months prior to that. I can't remember the actual. Uh, date to that, but anyway, um, so a lot of these stories I'm redoing, I guess in a way, I guess you can kind of say that I wanted to bring it justice, I guess you could say, better reading. Uh, This story itself is not written by me, so no credit goes to me whatsoever, it actually comes from Murderpedia. Uh, I'm trying to get myself together so I can start writing my scripts and stuff like I used to. But anyway, so the link to this actual full story and more info on it will be down in the description. With that being said, let's get straight into this. Now, this case that we're covering today is about the Lawson family, and it happened around the 1900s. Now, Charles Lawson was an American tobacco farmer from Stokes County, North Carolina, who is remembered for having committed one of the most notorious mass murders in the state's history on Christmas Day, 1929. Now, a little background. Charles Lawson's parents, Augustus and Nancy, lived in a community known as Lawsonville, located 10 miles from Danbury, the Stokes County seat. He was born there and in 1911 married Fanny Mannering, They had eight children, but the third, William, born in 1914, died of an illness in 1920. Now, in 1918, following the move of his younger brothers, Marion and Elijah, to the Germantown area, Lawson's uh, followed suit with his family. The Lawson's worked in sharecroppers as sharecroppers saving enough money by 1927 to buy their own farm in Brook Cove Road. Now into the murders. In 1929, shortly before Christmas, uh, Charlie Lawson took his family, family, 37-year-old wife Fanny, and their children Arthur, Maria, Carrie, Mabel, James, and Raymond, and their four-month-old Mary Lou into town to buy new clothes and to have family portraits taken. Since they were far from wealthy, this seemed a little unusual. The new clothes ultimately became burial outfits. On that day, he began the slaughter with his daughters, Carrie and Mabel, who were uh, setting out to their uncle and aunt's house. Lawson waited for them by the tobacco barn. When they were in range, he shot them with a shotgun then ensured that they were dead by bludgeoning them. He then placed the bodies in the tobacco barn. Afterwards, he returned to the house and shot Fanny, which is his wife, who was on the porch. As soon as the gun was fired, Mary, 
who was inside, screamed while the two small boys, James and Raymond, attempted to find a hiding place. Lawson shot uh, shot his daughter and then found and shot the two boys. Lastly, he killed the baby, Mary Lou. It's thought that she was bludgered to death. After the murders, he was into... He, he went to a nearby woods and, a few hours later, shot himself. Now, let me stop there before we go any farther. If we go back up a little ways, um, in the story it says that afterwards, after he shot his first two daughters, he returned to the house and shot Fanny, who was was sitting on the porch, nonetheless. But anyways, <clears throat> it... Uh, the thing is, I wish I knew exactly how far away this barn was. And even then, it, it, doesn't, it shouldn't really make a difference because... Alright, so something doesn't really add up. It said that he shot his two daughters, okay? And then he hit them, I guess, with the butt of the gun to make sure they were dead. I'm sure if, you're, if they're that young and you shot them, it damn near... In close range, they're probably fucking dead. But then he goes up to his wife, which is sitting on the porch. Hell, even sitting inside the house. I'm sure it's not really that insulated compared to houses these days. But anyway, you would... Hell, even insulated, you'd be... I can hear a gunshot go off. But anyway, you would think if she's sitting on the front porch, she would have heard gunshots. Especially if the barn itself was on their property and not that, that far... Um, I don't want to. I don't. Don't quote me on this, but I. I'm pretty sure the barn was not that far from the house, anyways. But something just doesn't add up. That's why I don't think. I think this was turned around. Now I might be wrong on this. It's just it doesn't seem right that she didn't hear the fucking gun go off and go, oh, what the hell is going on? But instead, she it seems like she just sit there. So that's why I'm wondering if he came up on there, shot her, went inside the house, shot them, then went by the tobacco barn and then shot them. That seems more, I guess, the reality of the way it should have gone, but I don't know. Uh, the only survivor was the eldest son, 16-year-old Arthur, whom he had sent on an errand just before starting his deadly work. The bodies of the family members were found with their arms crossed and rocks under their heads. The gunshot signaling Charlie Lawson's own suicide was heard by the, by, by the many people who learned of the gruesome event on the property and had already gathered there. A police officer who was with Charlie Lawson uh, ran down and found Charlie dead in the letters to his parents. As footprints encircled the tree, it was supposed that he had been pacing around the tree prior to taking his life. <clears throat> Maybe he had a guilty conscience and he had already... What, it, I think they said on the story it was like two hours before he pulled the gun on himself. So that means there's a chance that he was actually walking around the property or around the tree itself for a couple of hours. And he walked so much that he had made a circle and indention around the tree. 
I don't know. But anyway, um, now the speculation and rumors are that uh, there were rumors as to why Charlie Lawson would take the lives of himself and his family. And it was speculated that Charlie did not murder his family at all. So, see, originally, Charlie, now keep in mind, Charlie is the eldest son. He's only, uh, no, 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 not Charlie. I mean, Arthur. Shit. Um, I think at one point they thought Arthur, which is the son, because it's kind of weird that he sent his son out. So it's like, I guess he wanted him to carry on the family name. I don't know, but I don't know. So Arthur was sent out to run an errand, and he came back, and that's when he found his family dead. Because Arthur was sent out to go buy shells because he thought his dad and them were going hunting Christmas Day or whatever. All right, anyway, so back to the story. Sorry, I was sitting there thinking. All right, so there were rumors as to why Charlie Lawson would take the lives of himself and his family as it was speculated that Charlie did not murder his family at all. That it was staged to look as though Charlie had committed suicide. One of these explanations was that Charlie had witnessed an organized crime incident and had been found and had been found out. And he and his family murdered were murdered for it. Another involves a black man Charlie had uh, started a fight with. Neither of these rumors seemed plausible or could fit with the facts. All signs obviously pointed to a murder-suicide, which I think is what it was. But something still doesn't add up. I think that's what it was. <clears throat> I don't think it was any of these other uh, ideas that they speculated, I guess you could say. But I think he did kill them. What was the case? I don't know. Uh, we're going to get into the theory in a minute. Um I don't know, maybe he was in love with someone else. Maybe it could be that uh, he was having money problems and he just didn't want his wife and his kids or family, whatever, to know that they were having money problems or what. But still, even if that was the case, why leave a witness? I know when it comes to horror movies or, you know, psycho movies, any kind of horror movie in general, and it has to deal with a mass killer or whatever, they always leave one person behind to tell the story. Could this be the case? It's possible. Anyway, so into the theories itself. Now, it was not until the book White Christmas, Bloody Christmas was published in 1990 that a strong claim surfaced. On interviewing many of the regarding... Uh, the Lawson Family Murder, the book author M. Bruce Jones and Trudy J. Smith found that several people recounted rumors and stories regarding Charlie, Mary, and incest. Now, I, I remember hearing about this one. Now, if you remember, that was his daughter. And uh, supposedly, <clears throat> before I go any further, um, su supposedly he had gotten his daughter pregnant. That was another one I forgot I had heard about. He had gotten his daughter pregnant. 
but I don't want to go more into that. I'll just read the story from it. Um, now, in 1989, the authors had received a call from an anonymous woman. She says she had gone to or gone on a tour of the Lawson home shortly after the murders, and the tour guide had told about an incest rumor, which he stated as fact. The day before the book was to be published, the authors received a phone call from Stella Lawson, daughter of Marion Lawson and cousin of the Lawson children, who had already been interviewed for the book. On this occasion, she told them she knew the truth as to why Charlie did it. Stella said that at the funeral for the Lawsons, she had overheard Fanny's sister-in-law and aunts, including Stella's mother, uh, discussing how Fanny Lawson had confined in them that she had been concerned about Charlie and, and Marie. Uh, now, Jetta, which is the mother-in-law, died in early 1928, meaning uh, Fanny had been suspicious of the incest at least that long before the murders in late 1929. Now, keep in mind, the eldest son was 16, so that means the daughter was a couple years before. Even more evidence was uh, revealed in the, uh, the Meaning of Our Tears, which was the name of the book. Maybe uh, the most convincing evidence yet came from a close friend of Lawson, uh, from, from her, Ellie May. She claims that just weeks before Christmas, Maria took her told her that she was pregnant and that it was Charlie's. Ellie May also said that Charlie and Fanny knew about this. Hill Hampton, another close friend and neighbor to the Lawson family, was interviewed. He said that he knew of serious problems going on with the family and that he knew the nature of the problem, but that it was, all, it was personal and he chose not to reveal what it was. <clears throat> Alright, so this one seems more heightened up, and if people are coming forward that have to or that are part of the family itself are saying that that was part of it or it was the reason behind him doing it was because she was pregnant. First of all, uh, I mean, that kind of sums it all up. That's, uh, nasty as hell. But anyway, the aftermath, shortly after the murders, Charlie's brother uh, opened the home to Brook Cove Road as a tourist attraction, a cake that Mary Lawson, Marie Lawson had a baked on Christmas Day was displayed on the tour. Because visitors began to pick at the raisins on the cake to take as souvenirs, it was placed in a covered glass cake dish and thus preserved for many years. It's fucking nasty as hell. Now, among the many uh, remembrances of the event is a folk song entitled The Murder of the Lawson Family. The song was recorded by Stanley Brothers in March 1956, 
released by the Columbia Records on this on the CD an evening long ago in, in 2004. Um, that case in general is kind of short. It's hard to find uh, a really good true crime story that is long unless in you know even recording long um, I try to make each episode as long as possible but sometimes I just can't do it and I don't want to put too many you know too many breaks in between it because then it just sounds messed up but anyways uh, that was it on that case Um, I think the next, because there's only two more stories. Um, I'm working on one that happened in Africa. They call it a mass murder, and it has to deal with these rebels in Africa that killed, I can't remember the exact number, hundreds of people. And it was actually not too long ago, to be fact. So probably we'll cover that pretty soon. If not this coming Monday, it will be... The Monday after Christmas. Uh, for everybody that is new to this, thank you for joining. Uh, everyone that has still been listening since day one, thank you for sure for always listening. Deadline is on every single Monday. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Christmas Massacres. Make sure to join us next week again for another story of Christmas massacres all month long. Hope to see you then. Thank you. Until the next one, we're out of here.